Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hope you're doing well this morning. Thank you guys for joining us here in the house. Those of you who are outside in the backstage patio, thought it was going to be 70 degrees when you woke up. It's not anymore, um, but it's beautiful out there. Thank you for those of you who are joining online. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to John 15 or look it up on your devices, whatever you may have. Today, we're in week two of our series called Abide, really learning what it means to linger with Jesus. And one of the things that I thought about today as we kind of turn the corner on a bit of the negative, what happens when we live apart from Jesus, which was last week, uh, I want to encourage you to go back and, and listen to that message. If, if you missed, watch it online, whatever. Um, it was all about what happens when we're apart from Jesus. And I think we need to be aware of that, even though it's not much fun to talk about we need to be aware of the danger that it is being apart from Jesus, but also realizing that he is going to use us. I want you to hear this this morning. He is going to use us regardless. If we are his children in one way or another, he is going to use us. It just is a matter of what type of pain and how much pain we want along the way and in the process. And today, we get to talk about abiding with Jesus, and today... Kind of the word for the day that we're going to start and end with is this word rest. This word rest. And I thought about today speaking for about five minutes and saying, go home, go to lunch, and just rest. And you guys would have probably loved that, right? Uh, that would have been great. Some of you are like, go ahead and keep on that track, Todd. Go ahead and let's continue with that thought. Um, but man, there's so much for us to take from God's word this morning. And so today, I'm going to pray in a moment. We've got a group of of our high school students um, and our, our students and leaders who are at a retreat. That's where Josh and um, uh, Justin are. And so I want to pray for them. I want to pray for a group of guys that are going down to Florida to serve with Samaritan's Purse um, this morning. But I want to pray for you, too, because I think we're going to touch on some things today. And I really sense that God is even moving in this place right now. And we're going to touch on some things today that might kind of stir up some things in you that you need a little help with. And I want to encourage you when we're done here today, when we're done here today, for you just to stay and maybe talk to Trish. We've got a group of people called Stephen Ministers who are here to listen. And they're here to, to just receive maybe what you need to, to voice out loud. And so today we've got a lot to pray about, a lot of exciting things going on in our church but a lot to pray about. And so would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the amazing, the strong, the powerful name that we just sang about. God, we thank you for the strong and the powerful name of Jesus. And in his name right now, I pray that you would be with our group up in um, north, the north part of the state, Father. Father, I pray even right now as they're going to be heading back tonight, this afternoon and tonight, Father, I pray that you would meet with them in a real and a personal way. Father, I pray that you would be with all of our leaders, that you'd be with Justin and Josh and the rest of our volunteer leaders. And Father, I pray that you would use that time in our student ministry to plant seeds that would last a lifetime. And Father, I thank you for a, a group of people who are going down to Florida and helping with hurricane recovery, hurricane Ian recovery from a few months back with Samaritan's Purse. I pray that you would lead them and that you would guide them. They've done this all on their own, and I pray that you would be with them. And Father, I pray that you would be with people who are in this place, in Hilton Head Island Community Church, at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and they have walked in here today tired and worn out 
and stressed and full of fear or anxiety or frustration. And in your strong name, I pray that you would do a work today that we would learn what it means to truly remain with you. Help us to take up the challenge today that you are going to give us. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Years ago, uh, Cynthia wrote a song that is about this series. She wrote a song about abiding in Christ. And today when I'm done, she's, she's going to lead us, she and BP are going to lead us in that song. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her explain a little bit about that song that she wrote. And of course, I'm, I, I love it because she wrote it, right? Uh, I love it because I think she's an, an, an amazing artist. And I love it that God gave her this song. But when she was writing this, she was really struggling with a verse that um, Jesus kind of lands on us, and we're, it's where we landed last week, and we're not going to focus much on it today, but Jesus kind of ends the first part of this passage in John chapter 15 by essentially saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And she was struggling with that line in this song to make sure that it was like theologically correct. Because let's, let's face it for a moment, that statement that Jesus made, it raises a lot of faith, but it also raises a lot of questions, right? Whatever I wish, I can ask it, and it will be done. So is this like a name it and claim it kind of thing, or what's going on here? So she went to one of our pastors and, and asked, like, talk to me about this. Like, is this statement, is the way I'm saying it, the way Jesus said it? What, you know, obviously, it's going to be theologically correct if Jesus said it, but am I saying it the right way? And he said, you need to absolutely have that in there, and, and you need to understand that when we abide with Jesus, our ways become his ways. Our thoughts become his thoughts. And our prayers will become his prayers. So absolutely, when we decide that we are going to abide in Jesus, we can ask whatever we wish because probably, and in fact, certainly, whatever we wish is not going to be what we want, but it's going to be what Jesus wants. And so once we get there in our lives, once we get to that place abiding, I think we will be in connection with Jesus to such a degree that we can ask whatever we want. But there's a condition on it, and it's the word if. If you abide in me, and if my commandments abide in you, then you can ask whatever you wish. And today we're going to talk about what that if means, what that gap in the word if is. Because there's a gap, and we have to face it, that we come into life with our priorities, our list of things that we love, our things that we like to abide in. Georgia Bulldogs right now for me, all right? Uh, we come into like this world with a lot of things that we want for our lives. It might be for you and attaining a certain position in your business. It might be being consumed with being the best at whatever you are, whatever you're doing. And by the way, none of these things are bad, especially the Georgia Bulldogs. But a lot of times what happens is when we become true Christ followers, when we follow Jesus, all of a sudden everything changes. And so the pursuit of something else 
that surpasses him means that we are going to be apart from him, not abiding with him. And so today I want to give us, myself included, I think what is a simple three-part way to abide. This may be the easiest message you've ever heard for some of you. It's going to be overly simple, but sometimes we've got to go back to the basics to understand what Jesus is saying and what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And so let's start, let's read verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to jump over to verses 8 through 11 this morning. John 15, Jesus speaking here. He says, I am the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He says, already you're clean because of the, say that word, word with me, all right? Because of the word, all right, word, all right, that I have spoken to you. My kids are going to hate me for that. Anyway, abide in me, he says in verse 4, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then we jump down to verse, verses 8 through 11, and it's kind of, we're picking up where we left off last week. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. So have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus is speaking of abiding in him, of remaining. The word there in the original language means to remain or to stay, to abide. It's not a word that we use a lot these days, right? We don't like say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to abide in something. It's not a common word that we use, and we don't use it in any kind of common phrase. But Jesus is talking about the branches of a vine being grafted into the vine. Now, this is so incredibly interesting. And I told you last week that we would talk about the idea of grafting. And I've learned a little bit of some things that, you know, uh, I guess, uh, you know, agriculture things and horticulture things um, that I don't know much about. So I'm going to read part of this so I get it right. The process of grafting a branch into the vine is a very delicate time-consuming process that, that uh, people who grow uh, uh, trees and people who are involved in, in horticulture and agriculture, they, they do this to propagate or to promote a different kind of, of fruit or more fruit. And so they graft and they take a, a small branch from another vine that may be dying or might be diseased or it might be something that they want a different fruit and they bring it in and they graft it in to the vine and it's so interesting because the little shoot that they used is called a scion it's not just a car made by toyota all right this is something from God's word that he talks about in here, kind of in a roundabout way, this grafting process. And that little branch is actually grafted into the main vine. The main vine is called the rootstock. And they take the rootstock and they slice it very carefully so that the, the actual vine and the cells of the vine are exposed. And they place the sky on, they place the little branch into the vine. And you've probably seen this before. And then they wrap it, and there's several different techniques 
I'm not going to go into all those because I don't understand it, but they wrap it with some kind of twine or string or something that will help that whole thing come together. And the scion, the small branch that has a couple little shoots out of it anyway, begins to grow into a fully functioning fruit-bearing branch. I love that, the grafting process. But here's the thing about the grafting process. The cells connect, they are held together, but the key in the whole grafting process, are you ready for this? It's really easy. Time. Time. There's not much that needs to take place for a good graft to hold and to take place and for that branch to bear fruit other than time connected to the vine. And oh man, what a great spiritual metaphor that Jesus uses here that they understood in the first century that we can understand a little bit of it now that time is the thing that is the most important thing of all of the things that will cause us to grow spiritually time time something that we trick ourselves into thinking that we don't have enough of we tell ourselves that is fleeting we lie to ourselves and think that we need to spend it on ourselves and on our produce and on our attainment and on our, you know, collecting things and gaining things and putting it in material wealth. And so when we abide with Jesus, we're kind of like a little branch that gets grafted in and we're like, all right, I got a day here. Come on, Jesus, let's go. And we're missing the whole point. We need time. Church, I need time with Jesus. I need time with him. You and I, we need time with the Savior. We need time connected in to the vine. And so how do we abide with Jesus? It's really simple. There's there's three words that I'm going to have you remember today. The first one is linger. It's just linger. It's just lingering with him. He says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. And he says, a branch can't bear fruit by itself. We can't grow spiritually on our own. We can't do this detached from the vine. We can't do anything worth anything on our own unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You see, what it means to linger is it means to simply spend time being with and talking to God. Well, we talk, we talk, we talk, don't we? All day long, we talk to other people. We talk to customers. If you're a teacher, you talk to the students. You're probably talking to the parents a lot. I mean, we're talking to our bosses. We're talking to our, our, you know, our personal finance person. We're talking to people in our lives. Students, you're talking to your friends Probably not. You're probably texting your friends, but it's the same thing, right? We talk and we talk and we use all these words, but we never spend time just talking and being with Jesus. You know how many times in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, it talks about some of these characters that we study, that we look up to, and how they just walked with God. They were with God. There was a day in the Old Testament where they actually could, like Adam and Eve actually heard God 
The Bible says that Enoch and Noah walked with God. And while we can't see him physically, we can sense his presence when we do spend time with him. Jesus gives us great instruction in Matthew chapter 6, one of the, one of kind of the, right in the middle of, of this amazing sermon that Jesus is preaching, and, and he's talking about being connected with him. And in verse 6 of chapter 6, he says, when you pray, he says, do this, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees you in secret, he will, what's that next word? He will reward you. The reward is not going to be in the form of like a, a 20 or Venmo, right? It's going to be in the form of receiving some, some nutrients from God because we're just spending time in his presence. And you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you would say, Todd, it's just, it's just kind of awkward for me. It's kind of awkward for me just to do that. Well, here's my challenge to you is give it a try. Because I, be, I bet it'll be less awkward than what Jesus was comparing that kind of secret, silent, like with God prayer. He was comparing it and contrasting it to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, who would go up into the most public place at the most public time of year. And they would pray out loud, loudly so that everybody could hear. What's more awkward What's more awkward? <laughs> this would be the equivalent of them on St. Patty's Day going to Sea Pine Circle and praying. <laughs> so I ask you, what's more awkward? And where we're really going to receive the nutrients of spiritual growth is when we are spending time with Him. I have a friend who was so serious about this that when they built their house in Atlanta, and you could do this in Atlanta because you have a lot of real estate within the home, a lot of square feet within a home, he and his wife built closets that were separate from their clothes closets. And we can't do that. We all, we all can't do something like that. But I love the commitment, don't you? And I don't know about you, my greatest distraction, my closet is... The outside of my closet is this right here. I'm just being honest with you. It's this. See, I think if Jesus were, were writing this today, he would say, but when you pray, turn your phone off. At least turn the notifications off. I want to spend time with you without the distraction of that. And I'm not preaching to you, man. I'm preaching to me, too. I love the story that Jesus tells about Mary and Martha. I want to read it this morning. We've got time. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Jesus, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, a village called Bethany, right outside of Jerusalem. I call it the Jerusalem outpost. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now I want you, before I read the rest of it, to put yourself in the position of are you the Martha, or are you the Mary? And some of you have heard this over and over again, but I needed the reminder. I needed this reminder, for sure. And she, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, sat at Jesus' feet. And what did she do? 
we listened to his teaching. When Martha was distracted with her iPhone, <laughs> because it was sending her reminders on what she needed to do for Jesus when he got to her house, right? She had a list. She was distracted with the much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you alone? And I love this. I love this. Tell her then to help me. That is such the picture of siblings right there, is it not? Like, tell her to help me out, especially older ones. I can say that because I'm the oldest of two. But the Lord, I was always like, Katie doesn't do anything. Come on, mom and dad. She doesn't do what I do. I was wrong. Anyway, verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good, say it with me, the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What did Mary do? She lingered with the Savior. I'm Martha. I admit it. There's nothing wrong with us. Those of you who are like Martha. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with being Martha. A lot of us are Marthas. But sometimes we need to stop for a moment and be a little like Mary. And it is hard, isn't it? It is hard to stop and to linger. But here's what James tells us. This promise from James chapter 4, verse 8. James says, draw near to God. And what? He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That part happens when we draw near to God and he draws near to us. This is a call and response thing. This is us saying, I'm going to go come near to God, and then he is going to come near to us. And part of the reason that, I, I don't know about you, that I was crying a bit during that last song is, is that I know what the Savior can do. I know what the name of Jesus can do. I know what his presence can do in my life. And sometimes I just am so caught up with all the other things of the world that I don't spend time simply being with and talking to Jesus. Linger. Linger. The second word is absorb. Absorb right here in the midst of this passage. There are two or three times that Jesus makes reference to his word. Already, he says in verse 3, you're clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And then he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Again, there's a conditional thing there. It's the if. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Listen, there's a connection, church, Christ follower, there's a connection with us abiding with Jesus and following his word. And we don't always have to like that. We're not going to always have to like that because the word of God is going to push us and it's going to challenge us and it's going to stretch us. And there are times it's going to comfort and encourage us, but there are times that we're not going to love that. But he says, if you do this, then, then you'll abide in my love. He says, just as I've kept my father's commandments, and abide in his love. Not only do we need to linger with God, but we need to spend time just soaking up his word. Spend time just absorbing the word of God. Joshua, the one who took the nation of Israel into the promised land, he, he, he's 
was you know, Moses' protege. He came after Moses. He took Moses' spot. Talk about big shoes to fill. Moses? Ten Commandments? Right? I mean, he, like, this was God's man. And young Joshua is taken over, and the encouragement over and over that the Lord gives to Joshua is to focus on his word. Look at this, Joshua 1.8. This is all the way back in the Old Testament. This has been important from day one. It's important now. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall, what's the next word? Meditate on it day and night. So you may be careful to do according to all. Oh, man. All? <laughs> really? Yeah, all. So you're careful to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God lays out the key to success. If you're stuck in your business, if you're stuck in your school, if you're stuck in your life, if you're stuck in your relationships, I don't know, give this a try. Right? Some of you who have lived lives following God's word, you know how valuable this is to your success. You've told me the stories about it. We can learn from you. Keep on doing it. Tell us more about it. <laughs> the psalmist said that his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Listen, church, we've got to spend time absorbing God's word. I think it's so good to study God's word, to get out all the study tools, to research this and that, to get, if you've got a concordance that, I mean, I've got a whole library of people walking in my office, like, have you read all those books? I'm like, I've read parts of most of them. But a lot of them have been handed down to me by my father, from my father-in-law and my grandmother. And, I, and you know, when I'm studying for messages, I get this out. But there's a part of me, that, and there's a part of you, and there's a part of us that needs to put the study down and read God's word. Just let it consume us. Linger with God. Consume or Absorb God's word, and the last word is rest. Rest. We've got to learn to rest. And I think this is one of the hardest things for us as Christians because we become Christians and we read and we hear and we're instructed that God has given us this great commission. And your pastor puts up words like the seven words that are on the you know, wall over there. And we have this mission and we want to accomplish and we want to go. And so, you know, the, the kind of the trend, kind of the rhythm of Christ followers is to become a Christ follower. And it's like, all right, ready to go. Let's go. And that's true. <laughs> but the flip side of the coin is, is we don't know how to rest. I don't know how to rest. John 15, 9 and 10, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. See, he wants us to rest and to remain and to abide. That grafting process isn't just an hour thing. It's not a microwavable process. It's not something that happens like that. And he says, abide in my love, remain, stay here, rest in me. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Are you lacking joy? Do you come here today going, man, joy is the last thing that defines my life. 
Maybe it's just finding rest in God. And this is different than lingering with God. This is actually like seeking time in quiet rest with God. Years ago, we did a series on the Sabbath. And we talked about how the Sabbath is quiet rest with Jesus. Does it include sleep? Absolutely. Are naps good? Yes. We also have to learn to spend quiet rest with God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. I love this passage. Eleven twenty eight through 30. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. That means you're worn out. And he says, I will give you rest. <laughs> I will give you rest. I almost feel like it's hypocritical for me to talk about this aspect of it because Saturday nights, I do not sleep well. I don't sleep well on Saturday nights. You'd ask nine pastors out of ten, they don't sleep well on Saturday nights, right? Your mind is running, that sort of thing, getting ready for tomorrow, thinking about things. It's always kind of there. I'll rest this afternoon. I promise you. If the Falcons were on TV, I'd rest even better because it would be boring and they'd be losing. <laughs> but they played Thursday night and they already lost and I rested well Thursday night. <laughs> Listen, we don't understand what this means. He says this, he says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking necessarily about rest for your physical body, although that's part of it. He's talking about rest for your soul. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Spend time in quiet rest with God. But here's the thing. We prioritize in our life what's important, right? And we plan what we prioritize. We put it in our calendar. We make sure that it happens. We prioritize what we value, and then we plan what we prioritize in our lives and here's my challenge to you today, is if you are struggling to find rest with God, plan it. Plan it. Plan it. Make sure it's part of your day, and you'll be amazed what happens in your life. You will find rest with him. And I think what will happen is you'll not only find rest in your soul, but you'll experience rest in your life. How many of you are good at taking naps? I love naps. They're awesome. And in college, I went to this orientation thing, and the professor that was giving us instructions, he's like, here's my, here's some of you are going to want to do this. You're going to want to get all of your classes early and go back to your dorm room and take a nap in the afternoon. He goes, do not do that. Because when you're in the business world, you can't do that. And he was right. But I did it. And I took a nap at almost 2 o'clock every single afternoon. Now, my naps are like five-minute power naps. It's like drinking 10 Red Bull. I'm, I'm awake, and I'm like, let's go. Come on. <laughs> but what a, that was a bad habit for me to get into. Because he's right. You can't do that in the world, right? But you know what he wants? He wants you to rest in him. Every once in a while, Justin and I and our staff, we have the privilege of doing a baptism from someone who's 
not a part of this church. They might be here on vacation or be with family, and they want to be baptized in the Atlantic Ocean. And a guy by the name of Mark gave us, uh, sent us an email a while ago. Justin made all the arrangements. And this past Thursday, Justin and Mark and myself, Mark has been changed by Jesus, and he wanted to be baptized while he was here on vacation. And so on Thursday, in the middle of this little tropical storm, we went down and we baptized Mark. No one was in any kind of danger. But I want you to see Mark's shirt. He has no idea what we're talking about here. He had no idea. Look at that. Jesus took naps. Isn't that awesome? Sometimes life just gives you a great message illustration. I was like, Mark, can I take your picture? Can I use that on Sunday? He's like, absolutely, man. I'd love that. And Mark's been changed by Jesus, but the message of his shirt is, you know what? Jesus did take naps. He got away from all of his friends and the chaos of the day to rest. And in the midst of a storm, what did he do? He went down into the bottom of the ship and he slept. I love that. And when he was about ready to go to the cross, what did he do? He retreated. He got away from the chaos of the day so that he could spend time with the Father. Next week, we're going to talk about bearing fruit. But I got to tell you, church, our ability, our future ability to bear fruit, it hinges on our willingness to first linger and absorb and rest. And even as I'm teaching this, even as I'm speaking it, I'm convicted deeply because I don't always get this right. We should be challenged, shouldn't we? To try. Spend time lingering with the Lord, absorbing His Word, and resting in Him. Are you willing to move your schedule around? Are you willing to schedule time with Him? Are you willing to lean into it? I'm going to have Cynthia sing this song and I want her to tell you a little bit about it. And as she talks to you about it, and as she sings it over you, I want you to consider the challenge of finding rest with Jesus. It's so important in our lives to abiding with him. And I wrote this song, as Todd shared, really understanding what it meant to abide. It was in my 20s. Um, I didn't just write this last week, okay? I just want to make that clear. <laughs> um, but the concept of the bridge that I, I want to share with you before we, I sing this over you, just said that it says, your word is the very breath of life to me. And when I daily seek your face, I find the truth that sets me free. And all of our worship today is connected because as somebody that has struggled with depression and anxiety, I have to speak truth over my life a lot um, so that I don't listen to the things that are incorrect and are false and take me in a place that I don't need to be. And for those of you that struggle with that, you understand. And I remember when I wrote that, I, I was just beginning my journey of understanding what it meant to speak Jesus's name over things and truly what it meant to linger and abide. And I'm nowhere near where I should be. But 20 years later, as I sing this song, I've made steps toward understanding that there is such freedom when I do place my time and my energy focusing on who he is and not my problem. 
focusing on who he is and who he says I am in him rather than the anxiety and the worry. So as BP and I play this, we just want to sing it over you. And I had a couple people ask me, and I'm just going to put it out there, whether it's the e-blast or the app, for you just to have this song that I recorded years ago for you to listen and let it be uh, something that just speaks over your life as it did for me when I wrote, in, wrote this and performed it years ago. So can I pray for us this morning as we... God, we desperately desire to abide in you. Help us to understand as we continue to unpack John 15, what it truly means to linger and spend time with you. And that we will pray the things that you want us to pray, not because we have to try, but we're so connected to you. We can't pray stuff we shouldn't. God, I know I'm so far from that yet, but I do see the journey that I am much closer to you and understanding what it means to linger with you than I was 20 years ago. And so I pray, God, as we sing the truth of John 15 in song, everyone that's in the sound of my voice, we just receive this as your promise to them. It's a comfort, God, as a challenge and as a truth that hopefully God will set them free to truly know you in a more intimate way. I pray all of that in Jesus' name. Amen.